Do you follow self-help and personal growth accounts? Have you bought self-help books? Courses? But have you ever stopped and wondered why they're so successful? If you haven't, then you've come to the right place. So in today's video, I will be dissecting the self-help industry from a sociological and critical lens and sprinkled with a bit of personal experience. Because in case you didn't know, I'm also a life coach and obviously that places me within the category of self-help and personal development. And even I didn't really stop to question the motives until like a couple, like a year or two ago. So that's why in today's episode of Sociology Commentary, I'm really, really excited to dive into this topic because it's something I'm really, really passionate about. Um, and yeah, so this can also be found on my podcast. If you don't know already, it'll be on Let's Talk with Joelle and it's available on all podcast platforms. So let's dive right into the video. So you're probably familiar with people like Socrates, Plato, the Stoics, and people even now really follow their way of thinking. But actually, Samuel Smiles was a Scottish Victorian parliamentary reformer who first coined the term self-help. His mission was to showcase the power of perseverance, and his book titled Self-Help, which came out in 1859, was all about showcasing the stories of people who had persevered and beat the odds. And as the author of the BBC article observed, this really fit the tone of the era of industrialization, which really um, prioritized self-preservation, individualism, and climbing the ladder of society. And as well as that, Beth Blum in this article said that self-help was a mode of education for lower-income Victorians. It helped to motivate them and to educate them. And here's a quote from that article. Ever since its emergence out of Victorian working-class associations, self-help has operated as an alternative pedagogic space to the academy, one whose breezy instrumental reading methods contrasted with the close, disinterested paradigms promoted by the modern research university. And this kind of tells you the intention of self-help. It's about self-improvement, this mentality, individualism, and, you know, physically, and also giving false hope to those who want it, um, especially to those lower income, working class Victorians who really wanted to make their way up in society. They were given this food called self-help that fed them, but did it really satisfy their hunger and really help them step up the social ladder? Who knows? So let's get into the meat of the video and three reasons why the self-help industry is toxic. Number one reason why the self-help industry is toxic. It preys on you and I, the consumer, right? And if you think about a lot of these people, a lot of these motivational speakers, they don't really sell that many products. They're either selling like courses, books and all of that. But you know, as people say, if you don't see the product, you are the product. So they're really using us to their advantage, right? So if you're disenfranchised, if you're sad, if you're unhappy, that's great. That's great for self-help people. That's great for self-help industry because that means that you're more willing to pour money, time, energy into trying to improve yourself, to get out of that mess. We are disillusioned from capitalism and the self-help industry knows that, which is why it's so bad. It's so like insidious, right? Because they know that you're unhappy. They know you need something to make you feel happy. And so they're like, that's me. Come, come drink from my water of life and you'll be full forever. But that's not the case, right? They're just kind of peddlers who are selling snake oil at the end of the day. 
And this makes people who are insecure and unhappy the most vulnerable. And for an industry to prey on that people is wholly unacceptable. It is not a human thing to do. Like, you know, but it's so obvious that it is an industry that makes money. It puts profit above people. At the end of the day, they want to make money off of you, the consumer who is unhappy. So the industry constantly feeds us feeds off of this discontent and gives us advice that we think we want to hear and they know that we want to hear right which we lap up <laughs> which is the funny thing we we will go and lap up this information like like not, there's no tomorrow right because we want respite from this thing that we call life and as manson from the article five problems with the self-help industry says it's a market-driven rather than a peer-reviewed industry so technically anyone can be a self-help guru and like coach and thing which is a con about the coaching industry um you don't have to be certified to be a coach for the record i am certified i've been certified with nlp school and um, through the icf um this year and i'm really excited about it because it means i'm like legit right but you know it's kind of elitist but we won't get into that today the industry is more profitable when we're unhappy. I hope that is clear, right? And it's kind of funny because 150 new self-help books are published every year, according to Blum's article. And people snap them up like hotcakes. So they know that people want this stuff, so they're going to keep putting out, <laughs> right? Demand drives products and services and industries. And in the article, Blum again says, Uniting the majority of economic, historical and sociological scholarship and self-help is the view that the industry is fueled largely by fear, anxiety and insecurity. So that tells you a lot. Academic scholarship can see this, right? But why can't the average consumer like you and I see this? Because of bread and circus. <laughs> if you study sociology, you'll know this concept. Bread and circus is basically the idea that as long as you have something to eat, as long as you have entertainment, you're not going to want to subvert the structures of society, which are potentially oppressive and oppress you and I. And lately, this self-help stuff has spilled over from just talks and books to like apps and other forms of media like podcasts. And so the reach of self-help rhetoric is so much farther and deeper in society than we can ever imagine. And it's really hard to point out because it's so deeply entrenched. And again, self-help reflects its time. Like Schwartz says, the optimism leading up to 2008 financial crisis was seen in the self-help literature. So things like toxic positivity, just think, you know, just think big, dream big, go, go get it, you know? Like, not to say that that's bad, but being optimistic at the expense of everything else and not thinking about things that could go wrong is not a very you know practical way to go through life again also during this panini <laughs> people are stuck at home they have more time they're scrolling for instagram they're feeling sad depressed isolated they're looking for things to make them feel better so the self-help industry again is like hello i'm your savior <laughs> right um uh, even if you look on instagram like on your explore page you're bound to see bound to see someone posting an inspirational quote or story or something like that and as you can see from the screenshot on google searches for inspirational quotes and motivational quotes on google have been steadily increasing over time but you know as well as i do that inspirational quotes can only help you get so far and it's also really really toxic because 
it makes you think that the more you do, the better you are, the more money you make, the more harder you work, you know, the easier the life will get. But actually, it's kind of putting a bandage over a huge wound, <laughs> a huge cut that's not going to heal unless you address the root problems. But even when they talk about the root problems, it's always like, you just care too much about other people's thoughts. Um, or, you know, you're just not putting enough time in X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. But actually, the problems go so much deeper than that. They go into the structures of society. And if you're thinking from a sociological standpoint, there's a lot of structures and systems that keep the status quo the way it is, which is why it's called the status quo, right? And so self-help does not address that because, spoiler alert, it benefits from these oppressive systems, as we will see a little bit later. And as someone who, you know, found self-help in did affirmations and journaling i always wondered why they didn't actually make a big difference i was always so confused at why these gurus claim that it changed their life and maybe the side effects of these things were great you know like affirmations to combat negative thinking or journaling to be more self-aware that's great but actually prescribing these surface level solutions are literally a band-aid to a wound and if you think about it in the lens that it is predatory because because it is you know it's beneficial for them to keep feeding you the surface level stuff so that you keep going back to them and getting the surface level stuff that's never going to solve your problems but it's fine for them as long as you keep going back to them for money and attention it's literally in their purpose to satisfy your hunger for purpose and affirmation just enough so that you believe them but not enough so that it actually changes anything and the key thing is that they keep telling you to invest in yourself which means money they say that if you can't cough up £2,000 for a conference or a course, you are inadequate. You're not willing to take action and change your life. But guys, not everyone has £2,000, you know, lying around under their bed, you know. Money doesn't grow on trees for a lot of people. And that doesn't negate the fact that they actually do want to change their life. People are just not self-aware at this point. And that leads us to our second reason why the self-administry is toxic, is that it is all about the self. Self help all about me me myself and i the individual you know working hard um the american dream you know that kind of thing self-help keeps us blind to what's going around us focused on ourselves right so that we don't see what's really happening in the world it's very telling how the industry is named self-help right it's all about helping yourself the self-help encourages a level of narcissism and isolation at the same time which is kind of is very very ironic which is why these gurus and the industry claims to build community which is not really community because you're paying to be a part of it you know i'm not here wanting humans to be selfless because i know that humans can be selfish a lot of the times and so even things that are technically for the collective good are twisted really good examples of this is actually pr campaigns that companies and governments put out under the guise that they're benefiting society when they're actually just filling up their own and their cronies pockets and Alou says that the communitarian critique of modernity argues that psychology or self-help here expresses an atomic individualism that creates or at the very least encourages the ills it claims to heal and this is really relevant for self-help because a lot of self-help things like nlp um 
originate in psychology and it is sometimes called like pseudoscience basically and like common sense that kind of thing and i understand because a lot of it is you know common sense and actually just digging deep asking the right questions the pity here is that a lot of the industry is now just out for its own gain and really just trying to exploit people and exploiting people who want to change their lives but end up being caught in this cycle of trying to be better trying to be like a coach or whatever and not actually making any actual change because they're just following what everyone else is doing you know and individualism touts itself as the solution to all its problems that it creates like you know work harder and you'll be happy but when you work harder you don't got no time for anyone else. You've got no time for like social events, seeing your family, so you aren't happy. The other sort of narrative is that if you don't help yourself, no one else will. And that breeds a very dog-eat-dog, everyone-against-everyone-for-themselves kind of mentality, which we know is very capitalistic um, because it's all about the survival of the best. Take evolution, for example, really perpetuating that idea of everyone for themselves. And that, I again, isolates people and makes people want to turn to self-help for fulfillment when it really can't do that. So I've got to ask, why not community help or community growth? Why does it have to be self-help? Because at the end of the day, when you lift up everyone, you're lifting up yourself as well, right? So why not just help more people while you're at it? You know, with the intention of actually helping them, not like these like self-help people who, you know, try to look like they're helping people, but they're really not. Because when you think about other people, you think about things like, you know, not everyone has access to the privileges that you might, that enable you to purchase a course that is like three grand, right? Not everyone has that money. And even as I have been able to invest in, you know, so uh, coaching certification, I recognize that not everyone has that privilege. And which is why that I'm trying to use that privilege to create a coaching fund, a mutual aid, um, a community fund that helps people to get coaching, right? So if you're looking for coaching and you don't have the financial capacity, but you would really want to, and you know they'll make an impact on your life, let me know. Um, email me or check out the link below at the Transformative Coaching Fund. So there's things like that that you would take into account when you think about community and really putting other people before yourself, which is why self-help breeds a culture of cults of personalities. If you think about it, a lot of these gurus are literally just building cults around themselves and they are their brand. You know, personal brands are a big thing these days. They're great. They're really good for, you know, selling your services, selling yourself, <laughs> essentially, and building up credibility for yourself in terms of you know, looking for a job, for example. But these people take it way too far because people glorify people who reach success. And this is called survivorship bias. So you don't see all the people that failed. You only see the people who achieve success because they are the most visible. And that makes you think that success is more achievable than it actually is. Success, in air quotes. When in fact, these people just had the luck of the draw and they also had various privileges. Or they are privileged in various ways, which have helped them along the way. This is not to discredit their hard work, but it does acknowledge that they have had a leg up at various stages of their life. And when Crocker and Cronin were talking about YouTube personalities and cults of personalities, they said that without followers continued an active social deconstruction and endorsement of their authorial intent, simulacra and self-presentation, YouTubers or 
insert here, self-help gurus, personalities could never be realized and confirmed, thus forever negating the presence and operation of charisma, which means that self-help gurus would be nothing without the hordes of followers latching onto their every word and treating it like gospel. You can really see this when gurus like their careers come crumbling down, you know, with people I shall not name. This is quite interesting as this ties into Weber's concept of charisma. This can easily be applied to big name gurus like Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, Rachel Hollis, Marie Forleo, etc, etc. Also notice a pattern with these people. They preach about being self-made, a lot of them, right? And like I said, this is not to discredit their hard work at all. But in my view, in a lot of sociological perspectives, being self-made is impossible. Like, if you are dumped on an island when you were a child, had no help, nothing, and you became a millionaire on an isolated island with no external help, fine, you are self-made. But the reality of life is we don't live on an island. And there are so many factors that play into our life trajectories, right? And take Rachel Hollis, who shall not be named, um, as a recent example. Her cleaner debacle, right? About the person who cleans her toilets. She really said that she wanted to be unrelatable and was privileged AF and was proud of that. But the thing that didn't make sense was that she said she was privileged and in the same breath, she said that she worked her ass off and did all of this herself, which is kind of contradictory, Rachel. Other channels have covered this, you know, in way better detail than I ever will. So I will link them below the channels that I've watched that have covered this very well. And you know, these gurus who pretend to be self-made actually have teams behind them, right? But they're the ones who are talking, speaking on the cover of books, on the cover of podcasts, speaking on shows and stuff like that. And you forget that they have teams. The more they show that they're successful, the more likely they are, you are to follow them, which only blows up the whole glorification of leadership even further, which is another topic in itself. So it's truly not about you at all. It's not. It's truly not about helping other people. It's literally just about them. Which is why I put emphasis on being community made and acknowledging that I would not be anywhere who I am, where I am, without the people who've gone before me, without the people who've gone before me and the people around me right now. I would much rather acknowledge all the help that I've gotten rather than the pretend that I did it all myself because let's be real, I could never. The crux of it is that self-help is political. It's inherently tied with neoliberalism, which is a kind of like policy angle, economic view that free markets, no trade restrictions, just free trade, globalism, all of that kind of no borders, open borders, no borders to trade. Everyone just kind of does whatever. And there's supposed to be an invisible hand that uh, keeps the checks and balances of the economy when this is not true. And this is only guys an illusion to basically distract from the fact that the free hand favors the multi-millionaires and the corporations and the governments right and just so happen to oppress people and as manson said from their brilliant article with the profit motive the incentive is not on creating real change but creating the perception of real change i also find it very ironic that the self-help industry is titled as such self-help but it actually relies on you seeking and lapping up the advice of others 
Um, so you're not really helping yourself. If the third reason why the self-help industry is toxic is that it conflates growth with discomfort. Obviously, discomfort is central to growth and is a sign that you're growing, but you don't always have to be uncomfortable in order to be growing. Because let's be real, that would, you know, burn you out. It pushes a really toxic mindset about productivity and growth and hustle, which is a massive part of this whole thing. Hustle and grind, you know, wake up at 4am and you're going to be a millionaire, which is not true because a lot of you know industry workers wake up at 4am taxi drivers you know who are not anywhere near being a millionaire but they wake up at 4am which again we don't all have the same 24 hours and again this circles back to our first discussion about the self-help industry really profiting off our discontent because they're really showing us how to upgrade ourselves and to improve ourselves and even we are shown parts of ourselves that we didn't know need upgrading in the first place, which is great, you know, and more for self-awareness and really, like, discovering yourself. But do we really need all of ourselves to be growing all the time, you know, at a breakneck speed? And nothing is that constant growth is encouraged, right? Like, we're never supposed to be satisfied with how we are. And constant growth is necessary to reach enlightenment or our purpose, but if we're constantly needed to be growing, what is the point, right? Which is why I advocate a more grounded sense of purpose in, you know, how you do things instead of what you do on your goal, which you're never going to reach, according to the self-help industry, because you need to go back again and again to their book. It will burn you out and drain you. I assure you, I've tried. <laughs> you know, constantly trying to monetize your expertise in order to help you become a millionaire or whatever is, is exhausting, right? And I know this from experience. And the, obviously, you know, growth and comfort doesn't take into account any points, any facets of marginalization, for example, race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, etc. And the fact that these gurus are white and middle class, even self-made millionaires detaches them from the reality that many of us face, especially as people of colour, women of colour especially. Being a person of colour in a majority white society and institutions means that there are obstacles and odds that can't just be solved by switching your mindset. There are external forces at play that control our lives or at least influence it. And these content creators, these gurus that are advocating for, you know, just don't think about the external factors, you know. You can control your life. To a certain extent, I agree. You can control what you do and how you react. However, you cannot control what government policies are created that impact you on a micro-individual level. Yes, you can vote. And I encourage you vote. <laughs> and I encourage you take in places and surveys, especially if you are you know, in a marginalised identity so that you are represented in various spaces in public and government, but you cannot control what corporations are funding government campaigns, are partnering with different think tanks to push their agendas. And self-help would say, get over your victim mentality. This is important to acknowledging the unfair situation and structures that are oppressive however self-help is more interested in glossing over these structures than actually dealing with them so you know it doesn't really make sense i've experienced many of the things that i've outlined in this episode and i particularly relate to michelle goodman's article which is titled i was a self-help guru this is why you shouldn't listen to people like me 
you know, it takes one to know one, I suppose. But here's a quote from her article. The dirty little secret of those in the advice business is that we wind up teaching others the lessons that we most need to learn ourselves. And I fully agree, you know, when I work with clients, the advice that I give out and, you know, the processes that I lead them through is actually things that I've experienced myself. And that is why I'm good at it, right? And that's why I've refined systems that actually work for my clients, which is because, you know, I am my own experiment. <laughs> I have experienced toxic sales pitches, um, non-inclusive environments by like white coaches so now in my second year of coaching i am taking a different approach i take the approach that you are enough in the first place you don't need to seek out the next big thing and my aim with my clients is that they don't need me i want to finish up our coaching so that they don't need me the point of coaching the point for me anyway the point of self-help and personal growth is that you don't need anyone you don't need to come back to me for advice because you, you're going to know how to deal with life. You're going to have a support system that I help you build up and identify, but you won't need me specifically as your coach to guide you through these things. And so what is the solution? We've talked about all this stuff, but let's end on a practical note. Number one, I would say is to embrace all of yourself. Your flaws, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you love, what you dislike, and your ups and your downs life is going to be like this life is about the cycle of the seasons and we can't really control that and so embracing yourself you know easier said than done but it's a good step to take take everything with a pinch of salt <laughs> don't believe everything that you see especially online these days and i know i sound like your mom but especially with these people who claim to be self-help gurus is really important because you don't want to fall into another scam or mlm or like buying a course that you never use which i've done many a time see how applicable things are to your everyday life if it's applicable take it if it isn't dump it <laughs> like if you can't see how you're going to use advice in your real life, how it's actually going to help you, how it's going to fit into your life, how it's going to work for you, not going to make you work for it, that's cool. I want to also say, find a good support system, right? You know, watching videos is not enough. Watching videos like these isn't enough. Like, I'm, I love talking to you. I love talking about sociology and these kinds of things. But this is not enough. You need a support system in your real life. And I know it's, easier said than done very difficult for all people it was very challenging especially in this current situation you know when social interaction is not easy and we've been on online for so long quality over quantity you know you need like one or two people at least that you can truly share yourself with and that will really help you <laughs> if you're looking for that kind of thing and to help you find that purpose which you might currently be looking at in self-help so I will include all the resources and references that I took for this video in the description box below so you can check all of them out. Um, I would highly recommend looking up this stuff. If you have access to scholarly like journals and academic journals, definitely look up this topic because it's very, very interesting. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. Obviously, stay respectful. Any hateful comments will be blocked and deleted. And that is my boundary here in this space. And with that said, I will see you on the next episode.